All right, welcome back to the big program. That wild ACD music means it's time to bring in uh, Mark Spector for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritional smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day. Morning, Spec. How is uh, Music City this fine morning? Oh, it's a little rainy here, maybe. Mm. It's a little quieter than it was last night. Uh Waiting for some hockey here. There's a whole bunch of Oilers fans in town walking around wearing jerseys. So uh, let's go, baby. Let's go. Okay. I, there, here's a question for you then. So all when you go on the road, you see all the, the, the places that you go to. How well-traveled are Oilers fans in Nashville compared to other cities? Uh, oh, yeah. Nashville's a place for sure. Like you go to Detroit, you know, you see the odd one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go to St. Louis, you might see one. Uh, but this is a place people come to for sure. Like there's a, you know, Stoffer's got a little tour here going on uh, with some people. Uh, and there's other people that aren't even with it that came mm-hmm. down to see Nashville and see the hockey team play. So it's uh, it's good. It's going to be a fun building tonight for sure. Where's Bob take his tour to? Like Grand Old Opry and stuff, and you would take yours down to Broadway? Is that how it would work or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, everyone's pretty much doing it. I think if you come here, it's like any town. Like I always tell people, whatever town you're going to, don't be afraid to do the touristy stuff if you haven't done it yet. No. Know? When you're in New York, go up the Empire State Building, and when you're in Nashville, like if you're here for any length of time, you got to go go to the Grand Old Opry, whether you like country music or not. It's just something you got to do. So, uh, and yeah, Broadway was, you know what, for a Monday night, it still goes good out here. It's one of those towns that really doesn't matter what night you come, uh, you can still find some fun. Yeah. So you had a little fun last night. Hey, how about like when we used to go to Dallas? We went to Dealey Plaza a couple of times for sure. That's right. Go to Dealey Plaza when you're in Dallas and see that whole. You know, that whole scene around the Kennedy shooting and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It stuff. is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. There's lots more stuff out there, isn't there, Speck? Yes, there is, my friend. Yeah. And a guy like you is just uh, all to it with the world, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, thing I, the thing I think I might get a chance to see for the first time in a long time be an Oilers win tonight. How about that? <laughs> yeah, very fair. Uh, do you think, before we get to Matthias Ekholm, so I think they juggled the lines a little bit. You expecting to see that continue uh, tonight from practice yesterday? I don't know. I, I assume so. I, I never get why you why Jay Woodcroft practices one, you know, on on Monday he'll practice one way and then on Tuesday he'll play another I mean, I'm sure there's a method to it because he doesn't do stuff just for fun. Uh, I don't understand it, but mm-hmm. so I'm going to say he practiced one way yesterday. I don't know why he wouldn't play that way with McDavid Dreisaitl on the same line. Uh, he needs to get a few guys going here, you know, and especially at even strength. He needs to get everybody going. So uh, this is the time-tested way in Edmonton to get things rolling is to put the big boys on the same line that's been going on here for seven years and uh, that's what we do so I, I assume that's what we'll see to start the game tonight for sure do you think you will see more uh, I mean it's hard to say desperation at this time of the year really two games in but urgency and things like that five on five especially yeah I think yes for sure I think what you'll see is more uh, less perimeter play less summer mm-hmm. hockey you know guys kind of trying to make pretty plays. Uh, I noticed after practice yesterday, I saw a, a tweet by Ryan Rashog that after practice, mm-hmm. McDavid was working on one-timers with Bouchard. 
And McDavid was basically circling around and feeding them, and, and Bouchard was just pulling the trigger time after time. And, you know, we talked, I think you and nice. I talked yesterday. yesterday about a power play that needs to, you know, quit look at trying to pass the puck into the net and, and maybe use that weapon that Bouchard's shot is. And uh, then I see that after practice. So that tells me mm-hmm. that they're going to try to play a little more meat and potatoes hockey. Uh, you know, Vander Kane talked about getting inside, getting off the perimeter. Uh, for himself and for the rest of the guys, and basically that's you know that's what happens when you're losing. You got to focus down and and make things a little less intricate and get a little dirtier and all those cocky cliches. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what they'll be doing tonight. It's funny. Uh, the the more you complicate things, uh, the tougher things get. And uh, maybe somehow, some, isn't it? And the, sometimes the less success you have, it seems it's weird. Uh, Mark Spector is our guest on the uh, Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440, on, on the mark uh, every day, brought to you by Booster Juice at 8 o'clock. Um, we had uh, Jim Diamond on from the AP in Nashville, uh, Spec, uh, uh, a, little oh, yeah. Early, yeah, a little earlier in the show, and he was uh, talking about the, oh, he, yeah, I mean, he went dozens and dozens, hundreds of times that he interviewed uh, Matthias Echo uh, over the years. So, I mean, they, they miss him for sure, and I think the Oilers are f- very lucky in our city, very lucky to have him for a couple more years here. So what do you think about his return to Nashville tonight? Well, we've been that city that's given up the good player because they're getting younger, right? Mm-hmm. That lets the veteran go and brings back, you know, draft picks and things. And, and obviously Tyson Berry went back, but uh, it's no fun. You know what? Like Tyson Berry's a good player, but Ekholm's better. And you make that trade to make your team better down the road, maybe not right this minute. So mm-hmm. it's hard to stomach when you're Nashville to watch a good player like that go. And it's kind of fun being on the other end of one of those trades, finally in Edmonton, where you're bringing the, the best player in the deal in. So, you know, he goes home. It's, it's always hard for these guys. And it's like they say, you walk in the rink and the, the guy that, that's, you know, working the pass desk and the guy that's in the garage and the mm-hmm. training room people and the equipment guys, and those are all the faces he looked at for a long time. So it'll be a freaky day for him. Uh, he'll have a lot of people shaking his hand today. And frankly, guys don't usually play very well in that game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of distractions and there's lots going on. So yeah. uh, I think Ekholm is going to be like his team. He's going to have to play simple. He's going to have to get his head out of the clouds a little bit from all the things he's going to see today and people he's going to talk to. And it's not an easy game. Guys, always when it's over, they always say, man, I'm happy that's passed. Why do you think that is? It's just because it's such a whirlwind of emotions and, and you know, you bring up all the, the old memories are conjured up. Why do you think it is? Yeah. Well, hockey players are creatures of habit, yeah. right? They all have their quote-unquote routines. And they like things like they like game day to be the same day every day in every city. Mm-hmm. And this is one that isn't. This is one that you can't control. It's not the same. There's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of things that, that you know, help you to lose your focus. And there's nothing Matthias Ekholm can do about that today. He's got to go through it and it will be hard for him to keep that focus. So, uh, like I say, that's why guys often don't play great in this game. And that's why 99% of the time when it's over, they go, oh, man, I'm glad that's over with. So, uh, <laughs> that's just the way it is. He'll have to go through it today. And he's a good player. He's going to be fine. And I think the Oilers, you know, the other side of that coin is he's going to put a wad of cash up on the uh, dressing <laughs> yep. room wall. And not that these guys need it, but that's always a little incentive. Everyone wants to be the guy that scores a winning goal and takes the cash after the mm-hmm. game. 
Uh, and generally, a guy's teammates, the longer he played in the city and the bigger return is for him, the harder his teammates play to try to get him that W when he goes back. Uh, for sure. And uh, maybe Nashville fans will uh, want to see Matthias Ekholm back uh, because he was such a, a good player. Oh, yeah. And, a yeah. Ovation, oh, there'll be a big sure. big ovation, the, the scoreboard the tribute, etc. But one player that they do not want to see is Leon Dreisaitl. For whatever reason, Leon Dreisaitl has just basically devoured the Predators. Uh, 13 goals, uh, 35 points. Sorry, 22 goals, 13 assists, 35 points. I just kind of read that wrong. But most of this spec is in the last half of these games. In the 22 games that he's played against Nashville career-wise, all of these stats are in the last 10, 11 games. Why the success against the Preds? <laughs> I don't know. I've been here a few times, and he's just lit it up. And, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe they've had I, – I, I want to know a couple things that I haven't looked up. Uh, I'd want to know how their PK has been those last seven games, like ranked. Yeah, you know that they have a poor PK because he's you know you know Leon on the power play, um, but it's pretty cool. Like it, it can't go on forever, but it might go on for one more night. Well, I mean, just murder these I, guys here. Yeah, dating back to 2018, 2019, two goals, two goals, two goals, two goals, four goals, two goals, no goals. You know what happened that game? Three goals, one goal, two goals. It's just insane. And yeah, you might be right that a lot of these goals are on the power play, but. I mean, even a guy like Leon, who's off to a you know decent start, I guess, with three points so far, he's probably looked at this one and circled it on the calendar. Uh, but the Oilers, that's the, the least of their worries about the, the concern here. Uh, is there one thing that you think that needs to happen tonight for this team to kind of, I don't know, regain some confidence, uh, get back on track? Yeah, they, gotta, they just have to play a harder game. You know they got to they got to play like it's not a playoff game, but you got to play the way you're going to play in the playoffs for this night at least. They got to control net fronts. You know enough of guys standing in the front of the crease like mm-hmm. Brock Besser in the first game and tapping in empty netters or the tip-ins in the second game. You know guys standing there making tips on wristers from the point. You, that's got to stop. You got to control the net front. Uh, guys on the other end, the Hymans, the Canes, the guy like a Brown that make their money, you know, going hard in the net and putting things away. They got to do that. They got to mm-hmm. get to the net and, and win the net front at both ends. That's the first thing for me. Uh, you got to get the heck off the perimeter. There's too many orders skating around looking pretty the last couple of games. I haven't liked that a whole lot. And you got to get saves. You know what? Someone's got to stop a breakaway. Yeah. Someone's got to, someone's got to stop when it's a, an expected goal. Can't always be a goal, Right. And so far, every expected goal has ended up in their net. That's got to stop. Someone's got to make a save around here. Yeah, we are assuming that it's going to be uh, Jack Campbell uh, tonight. How do you think he rebounds? Well, he's he had such a great preseason. I mean, as for the guy, I think everyone was happy. He's you know we all it's been overstated. He's a really good guy. Everyone likes him. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Scout once told me the miners are filled with nice guys. <laughs> so yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, big deal. It was nice to see him have the preseason he had because you could see he was getting some confidence. His style had visibly changed. He looked more economical. Everything was great. And then his team goes out and plays that game in front of him in game one. He's got no prayer. So, you know, I'd like to see the team give him a game here and let him get back to where he was and get some confidence. And who knows, maybe put things together after last season. So, uh, you know, I, I don't cheer for the Oilers. 
but sometimes you kind of cheer for yeah. a guy because, you know, he's been through a lot, right? He's been through a lot. I tell you that his teammates owe him a good game in front of him, so maybe he can put his game together. Very, very true. Uh, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark daily on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. Uh, how much do you read into uh, Warren Fogle being bumped up to uh, the line with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, or is this kind of one of those things? We'll see where it goes. Well, this is a sign that they're not seeing what they want in Connor Brown yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we've guys coming off major injuries who miss a year of hockey, they always take time. I think everybody knew that. You know, we probably hoped he'd step right in and start playing, but he hasn't. Mm-hmm. So what I read into this is, okay, Connor Brown's not a top six player at the moment. And who do we have on the bottom six that's probably earned his way up? And I think Vogel's that guy. Vogel's been, he's been really good. You know, he's skated, he's, he's getting inside, he's going to the net. He's one of the very few guys that are playing pretty good hockey the first mm-hmm. two games. So he's worthy of the demotion for sure. He des- or the emo- uh, promotion, yeah. he deserves it. And it tells me that the coaches are watching Connor Brown and then watching the video and saying, yeah, not ready for the ice time he gets next to McDavid yet. Uh, on this Nashville roster tonight, is there a player you're looking forward to maybe, you know, focusing on? Maybe it's Tyson Berry or is it, uh, you know, a guy like Philip Forsberg or is it, uh, you know, on the back end, Roman Yossi, anyone that you're kind of going, hey, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy tonight? Well, the guy that always intrigues me with them is is little UC Soros. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, a, he's there's so few. Like, I remember Kev, you know, Thier and Fleury played, he was yeah. small, he was good. And then every small player that came up after him for about 15 years, guys would say, yeah, he's small, but remember, Theron Fleury was like that. But no one ever came up that was like Theron Fleury, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there was never a second Theron Fleury. Yeah. You know, there's lots of little guys who couldn't play very well that they once compared. So when I think of Saros, I think, you know, now they say, like, I think uh, Calgary's got that uh, wolf. Is it Dustin Wolf, yep. the uh, goaltender? Yeah. He's small. And they go, yeah, but Saros is small and he's playing. (laughs) Well, sure. (laughs) You know, Saros has made it, man. I remember when he was a backup to Pecorine, and I looked at this guy in the room and staying out late at practice and thinking, Pecorine's like six foot six or something. (laughs) And this guy was so tiny, I thought, how the heck is this guy going to play? He he is playing, and he's really, really good. You know, in fact, apparently he was on the block at the end of last year and might be again this year. So, I always have respect for the guy who breaks the mold like he has. Uh, and, you know, are there other small goalies that are going to make it? I don't know, man. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for the next UC Saros. How about that? Well, for sure. We had a texter say the Oilers should be getting UC Saros at the deadline here already. Uh, man, you'd have to give up a King's ransom for that, for sure. Well, if he's available and things aren't going your way, I'll tell you this. They won't wait around for another year for goalies. If if the goal I mean there's two sides kept. Mm-hmm. If your goalies are no good by the deadline, you're probably too far out of it already. Right? Oh man. But but if you're if you need a goalie and that's the difference, Ken Hall will go get a goalie because this team has got everything it needs. If it doesn't have goaltending, it's gonna be on him to find some. Oh that's gonna that's that would be the toughest job he's ever had to squeeze something in like this. So for sure. Well, you just have to give up a whole bunch. Well, right? yeah, but what are you going to? You got to give up a whole bunch and then get rid of money as well. Yeah, no, no. It would be. Uh, I'm not saying anyone <laughs> wants that to happen. No. Nope. But you know, I've said in your show at the start of the season, uh, Jack Campbell. He's making five million dollars. If he if he doesn't put it together this year, he won't be back next. No, and right? that's what Saros makes right now as well. 
So yeah, if if Jack Campbell doesn't get his game plan going and give you a proper uh, you know bit of goaltending mm-hmm. here, a guy that you can count on and give some playoff games to. There's no room for a $5 million backup here. There's nope, just no room. For sure. Hey, yeah, Spec, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy the game tonight and, uh, you know, maybe see what happens after the game on the road. Hey, yeah, maybe? I got an early flight to Philly, so ah. I might catch a late church service and uh, straight to bed. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Talk to you tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Spec. All right. Uh, that was uh, On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. When we come back, our headliner of the day for. Um, Mr. Reuter, the Daily Face-Offs, Frank Saravalli. That's on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, another groovy song that means only one thing. Uh, bring in our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. Uh, at Mr. Reuter, they only employ uh, the finest organic, grain-fed, free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to Mr. Dot com as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Uh, morning, Frank. We have a quick bet. The Duke and I. Uh, did you attend last night's Philadelphia Phillies game? I did. No. Yeah, I, I win. To my, but I made it to my seat in time for the first pitch to be sent into orbit. <laughs> the Schwarber home run. You just got there in time. Yeah, I, I got the. I got to my seat maybe like five minutes before that. Oh. I was kind of. Uh, I was slow to get in. I was. I was enjoying a parking lot beverage or two. <laughs> That's outstanding. So uh, I get what was the atmosphere in there again last night? Was it even up a notch from prior games? Yeah, you know it's 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 funny. We took our kids last week, and I went with my wife last night, and she said it's definitely louder in here than it was last week, and it was it was spectacular. I mean, you start off the game like that, three home runs, you know. <laughs> Good night. Um, Bryce Harper again. Uh, man, that guy, he could run for mayor. He could run for governor, everything in the state right now. I Did mean, you see his celebration at home plate? Yes. So he he, he said that he was going to do it around third base. He kind of decided that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So 31st birthday yesterday. Yeah. And as he gets to home plate, he holds up a three and a one and pretends to blow out the candles <laughs> off of his fingers. Wasn't just, that amazing? Absolutely epic. Um this guy can do no wrong in that city. It's it's crazy how good he is. Um, his, um, I, I guess, just the way he conducts himself. And I mean, you you had the the comment uh, about a week ago, maybe a bit more, about the fact that he's been you know on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was sixteen years old. So he's been in the limelight, but just to see him. Um, if everything kind of come together and I mean for some reason it just feels like he's in the right city the right team the right franchise I mean in Washington it didn't feel that way is that correct or do I get the feeling out here am I wrong no I, I he's verbalized it he said I wish I played for the Phillies from day one he mm-hmm. said I hope I die in the Philly um, which is kind of amazing and uh, I think just everything that you see there is you know, there's some uber confidence there. There's some obviously bravado, mm-hmm. but having an, a window into the inside of how things work there. One of my roommates um, from growing up, you know, just after college is the Phillies writer for the athletic. And he just said like everything you see with Bryce Harper is the real deal. Mm-hmm. The way he acts on the field, just, like he's a leader cares, is constantly on the guys to do the right thing. Like it's, 
It's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard not to talk baseball with you, Frank, because of what's been going on uh, in Philadelphia. But um, as far as hockey goes uh, this week, um, can you give us an outsider's perspective? I guess we're what the Oilers are going through right now at 0-2, heading into uh, Nashville tonight. Kind of is there a feeling that we're not seeing out on the on the East Coast with this team right now? Yeah, and then they're uh, they're coming my way mm-hmm. on Thursday night. Yep. Um, I think, look, there's no doubt that there's some clouds right now. People look at those first two games and they're up in arms and they're worried. I, I'm, there's not even one small part of me that's concerned about the Edmonton Oilers and where they're at. If, if we're talking on a one to ten scale, Kevin, it's a one. Mm-hmm. The first game, stuff happens. Uh, you know, they they weren't ready to play and they should have been. The second game. The way they responded after the 8-1 loss, the first 42 seconds, five shots on goal, basically bowling over Casey DeSmith twice, that's the response that you're looking for. And yes, did it continue the whole rest of the game? No. But that game, sometimes things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Sometimes you're in a spot where, hey, their goalie plays just a little bit better than yours. Hey, they make an extra play or two. Hey, the Oilers seem to have a little bit of confusion in their own end as they adjust to this new style and system from Jay Woodcroft. That game, the second one, you probably lose 25 times a year, and it's not really much of a concern. But moving forward, the process was certainly much better in game two, and I have a hard time believing that the Oilers are going to continue getting 750 goaltending the rest of the way. Well, if they do, they're in big, big trouble for sure. I, I would like to see a save on the Lafferty goal um, by Stuart Skinner. That's In my mind, it's just a, a matter of connecting a few more shifts together like they did after the first shift against uh, Vancouver on Saturday and then to, to get a save. Um, because we talk so much Oilers. So, what, with, so let me flip it on you. Sure. What, on a 1 to 10 scale, what's your level of concern? I, I don't, I'd say it's a little higher than 1, but two, two it's low. But, I mean, again... We talked about this, you know, for the fact that they were they wanted to be so serious and we we got unfinished business, et cetera, et cetera. Well, come out of the gates with a little more urgency. I didn't see I didn't see the desperation, uh, obviously, uh, in connecting shifts, and I that's I'm a big f- a believer in that to get momentum back as soon as you lose it as fast as you can. Uh, I didn't see that a lot of times in game number two. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think one of the big things that Jay Woodcroft has had to wrestle with is exactly what you're talking about, those expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanley Cup or bust, how many times are we going to hear that clip and quote leading into the season? You can't win the Stanley Cup in October. You can work your way toward losing it, but the easiest way to fall into a, a dark hole is mm-hmm. to allow the pressure of that hanging over your head to get the best of you. They have to be able to wipe the slate clean. I think they did a better job of that going into game two, and I think if they take that same process, get an extra save here or there, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, connect a couple shifts more together, be more cohesive, I they're going to be just fine. Yeah. I mean, they, they have over everything. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's how it is out here. And it's with every team too, Frank, you know that and, uh, people just 
you know, they want to have results fast, and that just hasn't happened in this scenario. So uh, Chicago Blackhawks go into Toronto uh, last night, Frank, uh, 4-1 Blackhawks. But uh, what did you make of Taylor Hall's comments about, you know, the way that Connor Bedard has been forced by the NHL with this schedule um, to kind of be the face of the league, you know, four games into his career, uh, and what Taylor Hall said. Uh, did, what did you make of that yesterday? I thought it was a little bit offside okay. and disappointing. Um, and this is the same guy that you're talking to that last Thursday was just telling you how excited I was to talk to Taylor Hall and how much he had grown up. And okay. not to say we have to all agree on everything, but it's almost like the league, the fans, no one can really get on the same page. On one hand, you've got a whole subsection of the, you know, any fan base that's that's a real hardcore serious fan saying the NHL could be one of the most popular sports in the U.S. It does a terrible job of marketing its stars. We don't get to see these guys. We don't know these guys. They give bland answers. All of those things. And then the second that you have someone that gets a little bit of exposure, and rightfully so, this is the most exciting player to enter the league since Austin Matthews. And I mentioned to you 10 days ago that I think in a very short period of time, Connor Bedard is going to be second only to Connor McDavid in the NHL in terms of top players. Mm-hmm. It's, it's happening. It's coming. And yet people are sitting here belly aching, saying, oh, too much Bedard. Why, like, why do we have his first five road games on national TV? Why is he doing all of these pregame uh, and in-game interviews. Why is there so much focus? Why are there ISO cams? W- w- which one is it? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, hey, let's grow the game and market our stars and then turn around and say, hey, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Because part of the reason why, Taylor Hall, the game hasn't grown the way that it should is because there's the exact reticence that he's talking about to participate and actually dig in and do the work to grow it. But Frank, do you think players that, today at ten, nine, ten, thirteen million dollars think mm-hmm. that it's okay that someone else, the third or fourth line grinder on the team, is doing in-game interviews that no one really knows or cares about? Mm-hmm. But do you think Frank that uh, Hall's just trying to protect and insulate an eighteen-year-old guy that's played four games? Probably, and and I think that's a really admirable quality. Um, and he had talked about his and, and Corey Perry and, and others that I talked to were like, Hey, we're going to take this kid under our wing, but Mm -hmm. I don't think doing in-game interviews is going to damage Connor Bedard's ability to play hockey. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Where do you think Taylor Hall's getting more? Is it, is it just the in-game interviews? Is that what it is? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's in-game after the period, post-game, whatever it might be. There, it's just a lot of Connor Bedard to start, and I think they're saying maybe we could mix in someone else and give this kid a break. But mm-hmm. you you only get one first week in the NHL. You only do a barnstorming tour where you go from Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby to Boston to Montreal to Toronto. Like you're hitting some pretty significant important markets. Do whatever it takes, whatever necessary. That should be the motto of every player. I'll do as many whatever interviews, mm-hmm. signings, appearances. Who cares? Uh, back, you know, behind the scenes 
shows and reality stuff. There's lots of different ways to continue to grow the game, and yet no one really wants to actually do it. They leave it to someone else to do it. Why is mm-hmm. you know why is an 18 year old talking too much? Um, so how do you think Bedard? How impressed are you with how he's handled his first week in the NHL? Then insanely impressed. This kid is. He's the real deal. Like he, he actually has some personality. He's thoughtful. Uh, he's he's mature way beyond eighteen. Uh, I mentioned on my Frankly Speaking podcast yesterday that he's taken the unusual route as an eighteen-year-old to live on his own, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of amazing. Usually, someone moves in with a, a veteran teammate. Uh, he lives pretty close by to Nick Foligno and stops over to hang out with his family. And eat dinners occasionally, but for the most part, he's on his own. He's this is a kid that's not all of this is new to him. This attention and focus, yeah, it's a bigger. Uh, there's more people, bigger media markets, but he's been selling out arenas in the WHL for a long time now. Um, he understands what it's like to be in the spotlight, and he wears it really well. It's almost like what we were just talking about with Bryce Harper. He, for, from like age 14 or 12 or whatever it is for Connor Bedard, there's been eyes on him, and he's like, okay, that's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a week in here, Frank. What has him, I don't know, caught your eye? Is there a, a storyline moving forward uh, this week that you're kind of going to go, hmm, I'm going to uh, you know, sniff this out or keep an eye on this uh, more so than others? Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on some goaltending situations. The LA Kings are one for me that really stands out to bring it back to the Pacific Division. A really rough first couple games for the Kings in net. And some would say I'm not really surprised, Mm -hmm. given the two guys that they have in Cam Talbot, who's a bit older now and has dealt with injury. And even when he was healthy last year in Ottawa, didn't play great. And... You know, you look at Phoenix Copley, a 31-year-old journeyman who makes it to the NHL for the first time last year, has a 24-6-3 record, excellent record, a lot of wins, but not great underlying numbers. Mm-hmm. And the Kings are spending way less on anyone else than goaltending. I think they're willing to give them a couple weeks, but I wouldn't be shocked, Kevin, if Rob Blake and the Kings uh, front office are getting a little bit antsy even after only two games. Uh, a lot of our texters, because the Oilers are playing in Nashville, have been talking about UC Saros and what would it take mm-hmm. in your mind. And I, I mean, if he were, was on the block last year or whatever, in whatever direction Nashville is going to go, what, what would it take to get UC Saros out of Nashville? I don't think he's available. Okay. And it's probably not going to surprise anyone. He's got a couple years left at $5 million. He's someone that can single-handedly sort of carry a team into the playoffs, which is what he's basically going to have to try and do with Nashville this year. I'll tell you what's interesting about Nashville, though, is I do believe that they're open to moving Yaroslav Askarov. And Askarov was a pedigreed pick. He's only 21. He was a first-rounder, 20th overall back in 2020 during the pandemic year. We've seen there's been a big culture change in Nashville since Barry Trotz took over. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, gone. I don't think they've been super thrilled with Askarov in Milwaukee in the AHL. His numbers are great. He's, he's played one game uh, so far this season in the AHL, 952 save percentage, not bad. Yeah. Uh, he, I believe, is available for the right price. But mm-hmm. 
I don't know that that makes sense. But unproven too, right? So I don't know. Not proven, but yeah. but pedigreed. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Frank, are you going to game number two tonight? I am not. Oh. Uh, I got to pass on that. I got to <laughs> yeah, be at home at some point and be a dad. <laughs> no kidding. Well, at the way things are going, maybe I, are we all expecting uh, some more games in Philadelphia, maybe World Series. Who knows? Uh, but thanks for this, Frank. Yeah, Appreciate don't bet it. on me tonight. Okay, thanks, big guy. We'll talk to you on uh, Thursday. Take care, Kevin. All right, that's uh, Frank Saravalli, our uh, Headliner of the day from the Daily Faceoff, and the headliner of the day is, of course, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. When we come back, we will check in with Corb Lund. Does it get any better than that? And we got, we're going to play the song. We have to play the song. Uh, that's coming up right after the break. The Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Oh, man, is that song solid. That song is so good. Is uh, we welcome in our uh, next guest, uh, Corb Lund, who uh, penned the, that song. Uh, Corb, welcome to Sports fourteen forty. How are you today? Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, just great. Uh, I'd be better if we didn't lose two games to the Canucks, <laughs> but other than that, I'm pretty good. Hey, you're like every other Oilers fan, isn't that the case? I- I honestly, I've been a little out of the loop. I've been on tour out east, and I haven't had time to watch any games, and so I'm just gonna not. I'm just gonna start now. Well, pretend I, those didn't happen. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go to Nashville tonight, but you got touring and concerts too. I guess. Yeah, I'm in, Ont- I'm in Ontario. So, uh, what's that schedule been like for you here? Oh, pretty intense. Yeah, I, I play about six nights a week when I'm on the road, so we're going, going, we're going hard. Oh, for sure. Uh, so that song, "Oil's Back in Town." How long did it take you to write that? Uh, not that long. I, I, it's actually a remake of a song I wrote about my brother, who's an oil rigger. So I changed the words to be about the Oilers, but it took, I don't know, it took me a couple of days to dial it in. But yeah, yeah, that's, I'm proud of that one. Uh, well, <laughs> it, for... it was fun. It was fun getting cooperation because I got the guy, the the uh, Oilers gave me the access to all the old uh, calls. Mm-hmm. Hey? And, and then for a while, I think somebody's using it for a. Like they would, uh, we made a version without, without, uh, the lyrics, without yeah. the calls. Yeah. No, we had lyrics, okay. but it had kind of instrumental spots where all the, all the calls were, and they would put in the, the calls from the, the game the night before. So oh, it was cool. man, oh man. And then, I mean, so when you were looking at all the archives with all the great calls of Rod Phillips, he must've, that must've, every time you thought or heard one, you probably got chills up your spine and your yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. It's, it's bananas, you know, like. When you, I was just a kid watching that stuff, and it just, yeah, it just gave me the chills. You know, you know what the coolest thing about that song was is that it gave me the opportunity to remember, I don't know, six or eight years ago, where they, maybe less than that, but when they when they uh, had that big uh, poll about the best team ever, and it was the '85 or '86 Oilers. '86, like, yeah. '86, and yeah, and so they had that big ceremony at Rogers Place when it was brand new, and and because of that tune, they had me, they had me uh, come sing it live, right. And the way, and the way, and I got to meet all those guys, and it was like, like fantasy camp, right? <laughs> but the coolest part was that I don't know if they did it on purpose or what, but me and my friend Mike Plume, who also had a, a, a hockey song, so both of us got invited to play our songs. But the way that the the flow of the ceremony went, they didn't like they didn't exit us, like they didn't get us off stage. So we're standing there, yeah. and then all of the '80s Oilers come up, and they're just standing around us. And like Messi is like, "Hey, nice job, man!" <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm watching the, I'm, I'm standing two feet behind Gretzky as it gives us. I don't know what the hell I was doing. They should have kicked me off, but yeah. I was there. 
And yeah, I got, I, it was amazing. And then as they raised the banner up, you know, the, yeah. the, the team the banner, team yeah. Banner, yeah. Fuhrer standing right beside me goes, Hey, you don't see that every day. I was like, well, I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was pretty awesome. You know, it's funny. Uh, Grant Fuhrer is our co-host here coming up from nine to 11. He does it out oh. of Palm Desert. So okay. uh, every, uh, yeah. every Tuesday Grant's our co-host uh, uh, on the Kevin Carey show here on Sports 1440. So, so Corb Lund is our guest right now. Uh, Corb, why? So you're a Southern Alberta guy. Why were you growing up? Why were you an Oiler fan uh, instead of a Flames fan? Well, I spent uh, well, partly partly because I was. Oh, I mean, I grew up with that stuff, and it was pretty hard to ignore when you're a kid, you know. And seeing Gretzky do all of his stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just like it's like uh, it was like Star Wars and the Oilers, right? It was just <laughs> magic. And so, uh, and then when I moved to Edmonton to go to Grand Q, and I that's solidified it even more but i'm kind of a strange bird because i actually don't dislike the flames if it comes right down to it i'll cheer for the oilers if they're playing each other but i'll i'll, I'll cheer for either alberta team against pretty much anybody else so pretty, yeah. I know, I, I, that's not a popular opinion but that's where i'm at with it that's very true though that's at least you're still an alberta guy i mean that's what counts the most i think yeah i mean i'd rather see the flames win than some southern team that doesn't have a natural life right and, so, and, and but to be clear if the Oilers are playing the flames it's the Oilers. yeah so in those in the 80s you must have been just those series and those teams i mean they were the two best teams in the league basically yeah, dude it was the best thing ever like i don't know that we realized how good we had it back then right yeah it was a lot of fun for sure. Every every year, right? Yeah. So when you were growing up, did you play hockey and things like that? And who were some of your favorite players when you were growing up? I was a I was a rodeo kid. I didn't. I think I was maybe the only kid in Taylor that didn't play organized hockey. But okay. I, did, I I fooled around and played pond hockey. So, yeah. No, I didn't play organized hockey. I uh, I rode steers as a kid and steer a little bit in high school. Yeah, my family are all rodeo people. So yeah. That's tougher for sure. So, who are some of your, um, I guess, childhood uh, players that you followed that you liked? Uh, I guess both on the Oilers and the Flames. I always liked the goalies. I always liked uh, Mogan, Grant Spear, obviously. But I was a goalie guy. Oh, cool. Well, maybe you should stay on at nine and talk to Grant for us. <laughs> Is he coming at nine? He's coming on <laughs> nine o'clock. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he'll he'll be excited to talk about that story uh, for sure. Um, what is it about, like you know, just when you're on the road, and as you say, you haven't been able to to follow games, uh, haven't been able to watch games because you're so busy. How do you kind of keep that connection to the Oilers? Well, I got a bunch of buddies that keep me informed. I get texts constantly, right? Yeah, got, I'm honestly, I'm not, I'm not a, as deep a hockey fan as, as some guys are. I, I don't know all the stats, and I don't follow it like a maniac, like some people. I mean, I love it, but yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have as deep a dive as some guys. But I have friends that certainly are and they they keep me abreast of things oh for sure so uh you've been really busy doing uh recording touring um lbao is uh your latest uh drop uh can you kind of um tell our listeners the uh how that began and the tribute that it's for yeah sure it's our 10th album of original material so i've been doing this a while but yeah me and my guys recorded in my living room it's all it's all acoustic and it's interesting it's kind of sound like kind of bluegrassy but it's uh yeah el Echo is the title of it and that's spanish for old man and that that was our nickname for our friend ian tyson who mm-hmm. passed away this last year ian tyson yeah. a lot of people will know him if, if you don't he was a alberta a folk legend in the 60s and then a cowboy music legend in the 80s and he was a good friend of ours so, so it's in reference to him so, you know what's interesting on yeah. the record too is that I think I've written the first the first ever folk country MMA song. 
What's, I don't think. No, what's know, that all about? Uh, it's like about, it's kind of a sad song about a broken down old fighter who didn't, who didn't quite make the UFC, you know, mm. he wants one more kick at the can. So where can is that out or like that's out and everything? No, no that'll be a single. That'll be out in a couple of months, and okay. then the whole record's out in February. So oh, cool! So I, I told my guy, I told my guys and my band about it. I, I read a lot of about a lot of subjects like uh, you know card games and whiskey and horses and, and mm-hmm. oil rigging. So I had a lot of guys at the show. <laughs> so <laughs> I wrote the MMA song, and they're like, "Oh God, <laughs> okay." <laughs> Why do you think, as we speak with Corblund, uh, country singing star, um, blues, everything, uh, you've got quite the genre going, uh, Corb, but yeah. um, why do you think you can draw that connection to sports when you write and play? Well, I'm not really a, a, a mainstream radio artist, so it gives me the freedom to write about whatever I want. So I write about all kinds of things, and I, I just write about what interests me. So, you know, I, yeah, that includes... Uh, rodeo and MMA and hockey. So yeah, whatever I do, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to do pretty much whatever I want creatively so I can explore those things, which is fun. Like, I mean, uh, Tom and Tom wrote the uh, quintessential hockey song of all time, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's precedent for it. <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, when you came to uh, McEwen, I guess it was Grant McEwen back when you were, uh, yeah. what did you come, to, you came to study more than like it was jazz or what were you studying? Yeah, yeah, it was jazz. I mean, they didn't have an Iron Maiden school, so I went, <laughs> to, jazz, so I went to jazz school. But yeah, I studied uh, anthropology and history at U of Lethbridge for a year or two. And then, and then my friend that I grew up with who we had always played in bands together decided to get serious. So we went to Grant McEwen. It was really great. I'm a big supporter of their music program. It's been great for me. Yeah. Uh, what is uh, what? What was the band The Smalls all about? Um, that was my band in the '90s, and that was the band that I formed with my friend Mike. That moved up to Edmonton with me from Southern Alberta, and we we operated from like '89 till '01, and we were uh, sort of a Slayer meets Black Sabbath metal band, and uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was good. We played with a lot of the uh, underground punk bands of, of, of Edmonton. We were part of that scene, including. Uh, a band called SNFU who were kind of Edmonton punk rock legends. How do you mix that? Also, also, also big Oilers fans. I would, I would oh, add. Really? Um, yeah. how, how do you mix that? All, all the, the, the music genres together. Like, I mean, man, in this conversation, you mentioned Ian Tyson, Iron Maiden, things like that. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just like it all. It's, it reminds me, I tell people it's kind of like playing hockey and football, you know, hmm. it's like a Bo Jackson move, I guess. <laughs> But it's a little bit like, uh, I also say it's a bit like, I don't know, if you're a visual artist, it might be like painting an oil painting versus doing a pencil sketch. You know, they're kind of, the tools are similar. It's just a different sort of, you sort of apply a different kind of palette to it. Mm -hmm. But I like it all. I like all kinds of music. How how do you weave all that together, I guess? Uh, You just do it. I mean, you just do it long enough and it just becomes kind of natural. Hmm. So I put in my I put in my ten thousand hours, you know. Yeah, you put in a lot of time for sure. And then, and then some. I, I think I put in ten thousand hours in the van alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? There's an old saying that um, athletes would like to be performers, I guess, or singers, or actors, or whatever you want to call it. But performers, I guess, is a, is a apt term. And there's an old saying that performers would like to be athletes. Yeah. Um, is that? Do you ever come across that feeling? I guess. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, sure. We all want to do fun things that we can't do. I think it's, I've had some interesting talks with sports people because it's, 
we're kind of in the same business. I mean, sports is competitive, but at the end of the day, it's entertainment, right? It's show business. So, you know, you're dependent, dependent on, on audience members being interested in what you're doing. So, so it's kind of a, it's kind of, kind of do similar things in a way. And I, there's also in, in music, there's also a, a similarity in, in terms of the, you know, the years and years of developing fine motor skill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, those are, those are similar things. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, Music, when you get right down to it, is, is uh, a lot of it has to do with fine movements, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not unlike sports in a way. Yeah, uh, for sure. Corblund is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. How long uh, did it take you to uh, put together LB Ajo? Uh I've been writing the songs for probably a year or two. Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of songs that are quite old that I just had never quite found a home for, but but by and large, I probably wrote the songs for a year, year and a half, and then we recorded it in about um, two weeks. So I'm just kind of looking at the the track listing, and on number six is El Viejo, and it just says for Ian. How tough? Yeah. Of, how tough of a track was that to put together? Uh, that one came together pretty pretty easily, actually. It's funny. Some songs you really have to like chip away at them for a long time, and some of them come easier. That one came fairly easy. Mm-hmm. It was a little. It was a little emotional recording it. Um, I still, when I play it, I played it last night. I'm up, I'm out east in Ontario right now. Yeah, it's kind of a, a moment when I play it for sure. But it was, uh, it wasn't so hard to write. It was, it was pretty natural that one. So, did you were you in uh, Kingston last night? Uh, yes, sir. Yep. And, and where 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 is the rest of this tour kind of going on in Ontario? And where where is it taking you in the next little bit? Uh, yeah, I do another. Oof, Two weeks, ten days, two weeks in Ontario, and I'm I'm playing solo out here. Okay, and we'll be we'll be doing a major a major Canadian tour with the full band and everything in March. But I meet my I, I play another two weeks in Ontario, and then I meet my guys and my band in Detroit November first, and we make our way down to Texas for a month. So how long? And you're going all? I think I'm just looking at you're going to Cleveland, Columbus, man. You're all over the place. Yeah, yeah, we're making our way from Detroit down to down to Texas, so it's. Pretty good run. And when we, uh, we, so we spend a lot of time on the road, yeah. Yeah. What What do you like about touring and being on the road? I like playing music. That's. I mean, that's the part that, like, the actual hour on stage is by far the best part of it. It's fun now. I've I've done it long enough. I've got friends in different corners of the world that I would never see if I didn't tour. So it's fun meeting people and hanging out. But but the most fun of all is the is the hour and a half on stage. Yeah, for sure. When are you uh, making your way back out here? Um, to play or, or just both? Like I live maybe, in you can, so. maybe you can watch. Well, that's what I mean. Maybe you can walk, come for an Oilers game. Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to. I, I think I'll be back in. We always go to the NFR, like the National Finals Rodeo in Vegas. That's in early December and play there. Yeah. So I'll be coming back home after that. So mid December probably. Have you ever? I, I can't recall. Have you ever done? Uh, like I mean, we have Brett Kissel singing the anthem here. Have you ever done the anthem here? Once or twice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would love to, whoever's listening. I'd love to do it again. Especially, I'll tell you what, if you guys, if you guys guarantee you make the semifinals again, I'll I'll book my tour around it. <laughs> well, I'm sure Tim Shipton will get you in to do the anthem. Man, oh man! Uh, hey, you know, you, you know what I like most about the Oilers is is the way, and I don't know what it's like in other towns, but I just like the way the community feeling of it. You know, like it just everybody, it just they're so beloved in town. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when they're on a roll, you can. High five, high five someone on the street, and you don't even have to say what it's about. Everyone just knows. It's awesome. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, there's a passion here for this team that's uh, like no other, and I think a lot of Oilers fans are glad that you are an Oilers fan. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I am. Well, uh, thanks for your time today, Corb. Uh, good luck yeah, on this. Bet. Good luck on this tour, and uh, get back to Alberta so you can uh, get back to your roots and maybe do some singing here where we can hear you. Yeah, you bet. Tell tell Grant hello for me. I don't know if he'll remember that or not, but tell him I'm the guy that sang the Oilers song at the uh, at that deal. I will for sure. He's coming up in about five minutes. Uh, thanks, Corb. Take care, man. Okay. Okay, thanks, bud. All right, that's Corb Lund, a country singing superstar. The new uh, album, if you want to still call it that, El Biejo, dedicated to his late friend um, Ian Tyson. So um, check that out. And, I mean, when when you're a guy singing oil's back in town, it can't get any uh, better than that. When we come back at the top of the hour, we will have our co-host, Grant Fuhrer. From Palm Desert, uh, color commentator for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, before that, we've got a little uh, update brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tea time today. Cattailcrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.